Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. One of the best, best uh, stories from when the children of Israel came to the, sea of, uh, the Red Sea and they were just so distraught because the Egyptians were right behind them. And Moses told him, the Lord is going to fight for you today. So someone needs to hear that, that whatever you're going through, God's fighting for you. He's on your side because God is for us. Who can be against us? Go for it.
Father, our desire is that the world would worship the name of Jesus and glorify his name and lift him up. And the only way that they can do that is if they hear the glorious gospel of the resurrection of Jesus. And Father, today we want to exalt you and glorify Jesus. For it is in him and through him and by him that we have our being. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. He is the creator of all things and by him all things are sustained. He spoke into being the universe and the world and all of creation. And honor and glory and power and majesty are His alone. And so we worship You this morning. And we trust You And we worship you now as we give to you. It is an act of worship. It says, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you do what you say you will do. We believe that you will meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus, both personally and as a church. And so we come to you, Lord. And we join in the prayer for Vacation Bible School that is coming. And we are believing you to save 60 children. We're not sure we have the resources to do all of that, Lord. But we are sure that you do. And so, Lord, we will step out in faith believing you and trusting you. So take our tithes and offerings and gifts today and multiply them and use them and give wisdom as they are dispersed to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
before we uh, before we look into the word, I just want to uh, when I did the announcements this morning, I failed to say Happy Father's Day to those of you who thusly qualify as being fathers. It's your special day today. I hope that you uh, took advantage of the uh, the kindness of the ladies' fellowship out at the coffee uh, clatch out there, uh, the admissions cafe. There was uh, some donuts out there for you, and uh, one of one of you can feel free to go have mine. But uh, thank you, ladies. We appreciate it. Um, I'd like to just uh, take a minute and. Uh, and let's just pray for the fathers. You know, we are um, we are in many ways uh, we are in many ways products of our own fathers. Um, and um, some of our as and when we become Christians, oftentimes our concept of God is directly related. To, our, to how our fathers were to us. And um, sometimes that, um, well, it's never perfect because, you know, the Bible tells us that, you know, that as fathers we discipline our children according, you know, according to our own understanding and our own wishes. Um, God disciplines us in a perfect way. He never makes mistakes in that, but... Our, our concept of God is often either brightened or clouded by our memories of our own father. <clears throat> My father has gone on to heaven. Um, he was uh, one of the kindest, most gentle men I ever knew. I don't think I've cried since he passed away. But for some reason this morning, it's been six years. And uh, he always modeled to me the humility and the kindness and the gentleness of Jesus. Um, I, never, I never heard him say a harsh word to anyone and certainly not my mother. Um, he was always... Um, now, I'm not saying they never had arguments. Um, they were married for almost 60 years, and you're not, or over 60 years, and you're not married that long until you have a disagreement or an argument. But I just, I just, wanted, to, I just wanted to say that. Uh, many of you have never met my dad. Some of you, of course, have. And... Um, he was a great, he was a great, uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to honor him today, even though he is, uh, he's in heaven. And I know that this is a hard day for, for a lot of people, because a, a lot of people in here have, their fathers are, are no longer with us, or with them. And I know that's a difficult time. So, cherish your father if he's here, 
uh, if he's still on this earth, cherish him, honor him, um, and uh, make sure that you, uh, you tell him that you love him today and, uh, and every day. And uh, happy Father's Day. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Uh, you put a great deal of, of uh, emphasis on fathers, on men in general, but on fathers. And <clears throat> back in the book of Deuteronomy, you said that we should take the, <clears throat> the, the laws, the commandments, the statutes that you, had, that you had brought forth, and we should teach them to our children when we're coming in and when we're going out, when we're sitting down and when we're standing up. No matter what the circumstances is, we as fathers should be teaching our children the, the commandments and the statutes and the precepts of, of God Almighty, of you, Father. And you certainly are a father, are the perfect example of how a father should be. Uh, a fa- one of love, one of forgiveness. The, your word says that you're slow to anger and plenty in kindness and forgiveness. And yet, Lord, you are, you discipline us when we need to be disciplined. You, you hold us to a standard that you have set. And these are good because your word tells us that in the end, it will bring forth the fruit of righteousness and the fruit of holiness. And so I just want to pray for each father in this room today and any fathers that are represented by people that are here, and just ask for your very special blessing to be upon them on this day in which they are honored, and rightfully so. May your blessings go with them, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We are continuing in the book of, uh, of Romans, and as I said to you last week, we are about to get into some of the some of the meatiest scripture that there is in the Bible. Um, I, I I know that uh, we, Mary and I were listening to a preacher the other day, and you would recognize him if I told if I mentioned his name. And some of you might even you know frown a little bit, and others you know your eyes might light up. I don't know what the situation may be, but anyway. Uh, I said, to, I said to her, I said, do you notice how he always speaks in hyperbole? And, uh, and, and because everything is the, is the most and everything is the, the greatest and everything is the, you know, the most important and everything is, it's always, uh, it's always at that, that, that high level. The, the, the particular subject is the, is the most important subject you can talk about it. And so forth. I don't want to talk in hyperbole, but I do want to tell you that this, these next four chapters that we're going to look at in the book of Romans um, are some of the meatiest uh, that you will find in the scriptures. And, and, and it, it gives us, if, if you can come to a reasonable understanding of what these scriptures mean, it will do you a great deal of service in your spiritual walk and in your walk of victory. And so that is why I, uh, uh, that's why I say this to you, 
because it is just really, really important. We, last week we were in chapter 5 and we talked about the fact that, that even while we were yet sinners, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And how important that was. And now as we come into the, to the latter part of chapter 5, we, we're, I want to talk to us about, Paul talks to us about Adam and Christ. Adam and Christ. And he draws this parallel. And he, and he wants to help us to see why things are the way they are. And why there was a change that needed to take place. He begins in verse 12 of Romans chapter 5, and he says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. Now, I want to take, I want to take you back for just a moment, to just, just do a little bit of teaching, a little bit of background here to, to just help you to understand what Paul is trying to say to us. This is important. We all know the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. We, we've probably heard that since we were little, especially if we went to Sunday school. And we know that, that God... I'm getting a little bit of a ring back, guys. Um, we know that God gave Adam and Eve one rule, one command. That they should not eat of the tree that was in the center of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, now folks, if, if God had not said that to them, if God had not said to them, you shall not eat of this tree, they could have eaten of the tree and everything would have been okay. But because God made the rule, He expected it to be followed. And when they did not follow the rule, there was was an incredible change that took place, not just in the hearts of men, but in in the the world, in God's creation as a whole. Now, I want to go back even a little bit further. Because when God created man, The Bible said that He created, He formed man of the dust of the ground. He took this pile of dirt and He he formed it. And He formed it into what looked like a man. He said, I'm going to make man in, in My image. And He began to form him. And then the Bible says, He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, I want you to understand what else God did with with man. And some theologians think that that verse of Scripture literally means that God breathed into, into man the breath of life, and he became a living soul, that he gave mankind the ability to create life. Now, not in the sense that mankind could now go somewhere else and and take a big lump of, of dirt and form it into a man and breathe into that lump of dirt the breath of life, okay? See, 
God created Adam and Eve. He created Adam out of the dust of the ground. He created Eve out of one of the bones from Adam. And therefore, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So God created Adam and He created Eve. Now, hang on a minute. Just let me, let me finish this out before you... Oh, Pastor Larry's teaching heresy. Um, God... God did not create me. He did not form me me out of dirt and create me. I was born to my parents. See, some theologians think that what that verse meant when God breathed into them the breath of life, that He breathed into them the ability to create life. And, And literally, you and I as human beings we have the ability to create human life. Hence, look around us. Okay? I have two of my children here today. Their mother and I created them in the sense that... You don't need a biology lesson, do you? You don't need a biology lesson today. Their mother and I created them. God gave us the ability to have children. So, listen, this is, this is really important. So, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, their very nature was changed... And they were, they no longer had, they now had a sinful nature because they disobeyed God and God said to them, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And there was, there was a spiritual death that took place and there was a physical death that took place later. Death came into the world. Death was not in the world before that but death came into the world. Now, literally, hang on a second, literally, every one of us that are here today or alive on the earth today, because we are literal descendants of Adam, you with me on that? We are literal descendants of Adam. There was not another creation somewhere else. Okay? And and this is the problem with, with people that believe that God created people all over the world, and that's how the world got populated, because that doesn't work. Because we because we are all descendants of Adam, we were hang on, in a sense, we were all in Adam's loins when he lived on the earth. Okay? When Adam and Eve conceived and brought forth Cain, Cain naturally took on the nature of his two parents. You with me? So the sinful nature that was in Adam because of his disobedience to God 
was transferred to Cain. And then it was transferred to Abel. And then we see Cain killing Abel. And of course we know that, you know, in between all of that, you know, Adam lived like 950 years and we know that the Bible says he had, he had sons and daughters. So, but the, the Bible is trying to show us the line of Jesus in there. So later on they have Seth. The, the nature's passed to Seth. Now if you run down the genealogy, you'll find out that we end up with Noah. And Noah ends up, and his family end up being the only ones on the earth because of the flood. But Noah is a descendant of Adam. So therefore, now the descendants keep coming, and because Noah had a sinful nature, and his wife had a sinful nature, now, you understand, the sinful nature continues to be passed down from generation to generation, no matter how far out it spreads, no matter how many family trees come off of that, and we all come down to this point where you and I are now alive, i got to tell you, as wonderful as my father was, and as wonderful as my mother was, they passed down their sinful nature to me. Because we are all descendants of Adam. And therefore, it is not a matter of, as, as, uh, as Gina was talking about uh, the, uh, the, the Muslim people when they celebrate Ramadan, where it's not a matter of, let's see how much good I can do so that my good will outweigh the bad acts that I do. See, the, the, here's, here's where so many people go awry. They want, they want to be forgiven for their bad acts. They think that if I'm good enough, if I, if I give to the poor and if I go to church and I sing in the choir and... and oh, we don't have a choir. Uh, but, but they do all kinds of good deeds that on God's scale, they can put all these good deeds up on the, good, on the scale and over here they have, oh well, I, took, I told a lie here and, 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 I, and I did this. And, and, and they want to take these little unrighteous acts and try to say, well, if I do enough good deeds, then it'll offset my bad deeds. But the problem is, the good deeds have this massive weight over here that's called the sin nature that cannot be dealt with with good deeds. Except for one, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. So sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and in this way death came to all men. Everybody has that. And it wasn't until Jesus was, to, was, get it, was supposed to be born on the earth that God stepped in in a miraculous way and said, this one we're going to do differently. And He took a young maiden named Mary, and the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that hovered over the face of the waters, the same Holy Spirit that came upon uh, Samson and gave him great strength, the same Holy Spirit that caused Elijah to be able to outrun 
uh, Ahab's chariot, the same spirit that closed the lion's mouths when Daniel was thrown into the lion den, that same spirit, the spirit that God's spirit came upon Mary and caused her to be with child. Miraculously. So that when Jesus was born, He did not have the sinful nature that would have been passed down to Him if Joseph had been His father. Well, folks, that's why the virgin birth and Christ, the, virgin, the doctrine of the virgin birth in Christianity is so vital, and that's why so many people try to attack the idea of the virgin birth that are outside the church, because the virgin birth is the only is the one thing that would destroy Christ's ability to do what we're about to talk about. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. Listen, Adam broke a command of God. You shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Boom. He went in. The circumstances are irrelevant at this point. He went in and he ate of the tree. He broke a command of God. It was a sin. See, Without there being a command, there cannot, be no, there cannot be sin. Without a law being in place, there cannot be sin accounted to someone. So from the time Adam sinned until Moses went up on the mountain. Listen, listen to this. From the time Adam sinned until Moses went up on the mountain and got the law... There was no sin that was, held, that was held to the account of individuals on the earth because there was no law forbidding it. Hello? You understand what I'm saying? That's why Jesus was able to say to the Pharisees that on Judgment Day, Sodom and Gomorrah will fare better than the, than the cities and towns around Jerusalem because of the miracles and because of the law that was given and the miracles that were being performed in them. And we all look at Sodom and Gomorrah and say, well, they were just, uh, you know, yes, they were destroyed, but, but the Bible says that they're going to be better off than some of the cities of the around Jerusalem because of what because of what they ha- did not have. They did not have any rules that said they couldn't be doing what they were doing, even though God was displeased with what they were doing because they were, they were unrighteous acts. It couldn't be held to their account because they didn't know. And yet, death continued from the time of Adam all the way through, even up until now, death is still a reality to us.
Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command. They didn't break a command because there wasn't one. And they couldn't break the one... See, up until that time, God had only given one command. Don't eat of the tree of the garden, in the middle of the garden. And we know that at some point, God put a guard there on the, on the garden to keep them from coming back in and eating the tree of life. So death comes by one man, Adam. And it infects everyone. But until the law came, there was no sin credited to their account. But the gift, the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? So one man's disobedience brought death to everyone. We'll see just a minute. One man's obedience brought life to many. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. So here you have one man being disobedient, infecting everyone, and here you have one man being obedient, bringing justification to those who will receive it who were under the condemnation of death brought on by the other man. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Folks, I'm going to tell you, Adam, inf- Adam infected everybody. And his one act of disobedience, his one act of breaking a law, infected everyone. And along comes Jesus. Another one man. And after all of these trespasses, of after all of these sins, of all of these things that were going on, this one man is obedient and his obedience results in the ability for mankind to receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness through the life of this one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness 
was justification that brings life for all men. Now, there are those who would say, I don't, I don't want to go there. I don't, want, I don't care what anybody else says. I just care what the Word says. Um, but, but there is, in some places you will find doctrines where, where what Jesus did is only good for certain people. But that's not, what, that's not what the Bible says here. The Bible says that the trespass infected everyone. And if the trespass infected everyone, then everyone, everyone needs to have access to the remedy. He didn't say that there were the, the condemnation for all men, so as a result of one act of righteousness was, was justification for some. Okay? It was a justification for all. All by faith. I want to get to this one last verse before we, before we get too far. For just as through the disobedience of one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. Okay? Now listen. There, as I said earlier, there was no law from Adam up until Moses went on the mountain. There, were, there was no sin that was credited to the people's account back then because they were not breaking any laws that they knew about. They were still sinning because they were breaking, they were breaking God's his standard but they weren't breaking His commands because He had not given them any commands. The moment He gave the law, now all of the trespasses that were being committed were now a literal breaking of a known law of God, and then now there was, it was being held against them. And that's why Paul says here, the law was added so that the trespass might increase. In other words, we might understand how badly we've been missing the boat, how badly we've been missing the mark. When we read God's law, that we, folks, the problem for most people is, is in reading this book is not because it's boring to them. It's not... A lot of reason people don't like to read the Bible is because it contradicts them. It, it shows us how we fall short because we see in it what God is trying to say to us and what God is trying to tell us. And when we read it and we realize that we're not following it, then, then there comes guilt and there comes, there, there comes condemnation because we're realizing that... We, how good we thought we were, how far we're falling short. Now, I know the Bible says, and we're going to get to this in a few weeks, where it says, now there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Yeah, I understand that. But that's, that's not an excuse for us to sin, and that's what we're going to find out right here. The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. There was never going to be too much, 
there was, the, the sin was never going to be too great for the grace to not be able to forgive. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've done. You haven't sinned. There hasn't been a sin that you've done that is greater than God's grace. And if that's the case, when you find yourself having fallen, okay, I'm not talking about living in a, in a lifestyle of sin. Okay, there's a difference. The Bible speaks about there's a, diff- there's a difference between living a lifestyle of sin and falling. In a weak moment, you, you do something that you shouldn't do. That's not a lifestyle of sin. A lifestyle of sin is something that you do every day and you intend to do it and you in, don't intend to change. The Christian can't be in that kind of a lifestyle and, and walk with God. That, that's not possible. The Holy Spirit will not allow that to take place. He will bring us under conviction. Now, a lot of people will ignore that and that's, just, that's a different story. What I'm trying to say here is that where Sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then the big question is asked. The question that would come automatic, well, if sin, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Where sin increased, grace increases all the more. The natural question would be, and there were those who were asking the question, the natural question would be then, well, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? Wow. I mean, if God's going to pour out His grace, and everybody wants God's grace, then shouldn't I just go on sinning so that God can continue to pour out His grace upon me? And we'll talk about that next week. But suffice to say today, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. There is no sin that is too great for God to forgive. Father, thank You for our time together today. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You. We we understand That sin came into this world by one man. And it impacts us all. It infects us all. But thank You, Lord, that even though through the disobedience of this one man, Adam, through the obedience of this one man, Jesus, the opportunity for grace, for forgiveness, and for righteousness have come into the world. And I thank You, Father, for the truth that where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Thank You, Lord, that there is not a single sin that is greater than Your grace. Thank You, Lord. 
For we are able now to come to you boldly before your throne of grace for help in time of need. We are able to bring our our shortcomings, our weaknesses, we are able to bring them to you. And by your grace, you help us to overcome them. Thank you, Father, for the work of Jesus on the cross, for his shed blood. And our desire is to take that message to those who would need to hear it. And we thank you, Lord, for our, the ability that you have given us, the opportunity that you have given us to be involved in resources to the prison ministry, Lord. Thank you for that, because the gospel is going to those who would think that the sins that they have committed that have put them where they are are too great for God to forgive. And it is a great thing for us to be able to say, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And we thank you for that. And we pray for Brother Art and the prison ministry team. Lord, bless them. Open more doors. May the resources continue to come in to make that possible. Lord, we'd like to pray for that young man, Clinton. Uh, and Lord, I just, uh, I just pray that you will open his heart and mind, that you will take the scales off his eyes, and he will be able to see the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and make that decision for, to receive Christ as his Lord and Savior. Father, I pray the ministry at the Transitional Center. Thank you for the service that we had there last night and for the, the hands that were raised and the privilege to pray with these young ladies. And we just ask you, Lord, to continue to open up their hearts for the truth of the gospel. We pray that not a single one would ever leave there without knowing the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the ministry of Chaplain Burke who, who ministers there every day. And Lord, for her spirit and for her desire to see these girls walk in victory while they're there and especially when they leave there. We pray for love serves and thank you for the things that they are doing in the Dominican Republic. Thank you for allowing us to be involved in, in that ministry, Lord. We pray for Peter and for Martin and others that are a part of that. We pray for the staff in the Dominican Republic and uh, Lord, we just... Uh, uh, we just ask your blessing upon them. May more and more doors be open for them to coach these pastors uh, and just the thousands of souls that are coming to Christ there. We thank you and praise you. We pray for Todd and Shelley and for, um, for Chris, our missionaries that have uh, left their homes to go to these foreign fields so that they could tell the story of the resurrection of Jesus. And Lord, we know that um, the enemy doesn't want them to have any sort of success over there. But greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. And Father, we join them in praying. Pray for Todd and Shelley during this time of Ramadan. Lord, that they would be able to share the resurrected Jesus and the truth of the gospel of Jesus with their friends and their neighbors and the people they come in contact with. We pray for 
for Chris Garrison. We pray for these two that, uh, that, are, that have been baptized. And, and now, Lord, they're, they're going to be going to uh, different places. And, Lord, we just pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would so indwell them that they would remain fast and true. And, and Lord, that they, would, uh, that they would stand fast in their faith. We ask it in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just thank you for our daycare and the work that it is doing. We thank you for our staff. And Lord, we know that there are some changes coming, but Lord, we believe that you're going to provide in a, in a, in a miraculous way. And we just uh, we pray for that. We pray for Vacation Bible School that's coming up, Lord. I just pray once again that you are not only going to provide for us, but you are going to open the doors. And you are going to see to it that those who need to hear this, the truth of these lessons of, of what God's power can do, Lord, I just pray that through that all, uh, we will see many, 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 many children make a profession of faith. Take us from this place. May it be a, a wonderful day as families spend time together celebrating fathers. And Lord, may, may we celebrate you as our Heavenly Father and the, the example that you are for us. In Jesus' name, amen.